Hello and welcome to episode 1113 of The Sleeper and the Bus. It is Tuesday, November 15th. I'm your host, Paul Sporer, joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, dear sir. Good morning. How you doing? Not too bad. How about yourself? Uh, I'm doing all right. Got a sick kid at home and then uh, 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 a not sick kid who's just crazy. So that's you got a sick fun. kid here, too. So oh, no. You're going to have to take care of us. Uh, take care of me, too, while you're, uh, well, while you're potting and then get back to taking care of your kid. I uh, won't have too long of an episode because we want to make sure that you get back to your your sick child. But we're going to cover some interesting players today. You've been doing a, a cool series these last two days over on the site looking at steamer fades and steamer values. And we put it in quotes because it's based off of steamer. If you don't agree, then you're not you're not seeing these guys as as fades and values. But based on the projection system of steamer, those are out now. By the way, you can find those on the website. There are some guys that that you were fading, or that that they suggest you fade, and that they suggest you pick up. If you agree with them, we're going to talk about a few interesting guys uh, just across the board, at one at every position, up and down. So, some of these names you might have considered for your list, some of these names you might have included on your lists, Justin. But mm-hmm. I want to tour the diamond here and talk about some ones that stood out to me, and get your thoughts on where you stand. Are you agreeing with Steamer? Are you fading what they're what they're saying here? And I just want to dive right in because this first one hurts my heart. And I disagree again because I disagreed last year that Tyler Stevenson uh, was was on the down end. And they got him down here again. And I can't say that I'm surprised. A, they didn't love him coming into 2022 because he hadn't really shown a power stroke or anything just yet. And B, he only played 50 games last year because he got hurt. So they don't really know how much to trust the 134 WRC plus that he put up. So I get it. But I do disagree with it still. I thought he was having a breakout last year. The power wasn't great or, or you know, well over what he had done. We're talking about a 146 to 163 ISO jump for uh, Tyler Stevenson. That's less than 20 points. That's not really moving it. But it was an 854 OPS, which was, uh, you know, well above the 797 from the year before. Batting average was running hot. There were some plate skill issues that I didn't love. All in all, I didn't know what to make of it because it's 50 games. And it was interrupted by two injuries, the second of which finally took him out for the year. Uh, but they see more of a pedestrian 257 average, 15 homers, and 60 steals, which with the explosion at catcher, that ends up kind of falling down the list a bit to where it's not really that impressive. He's the 13th catcher off the board. Again, this speaks to the depth of catcher as much as anything else, because I think a few years ago, that line would have been a top 10 catcher, but now you got it at 13, still ahead of the likes of Kybert Ruiz, Travis Darno, Jonah Heim, uh, just below the likes of William Contreras, Danny Jansen, and Sean Murphy. So again, that really shows you the depth here. So I wouldn't say that Steamer hates Stevenson, but I would say that they are still coming in pretty light. This is one I disagree with, but uh, I'm still going to be sticking with him and paying the quote-unquote premium because he's the ninth catcher off the board, 13th catcher according to Steamer. How do you see Tyler Stevenson after the 50-game flourish last year that was cut short by injury? I'm a little worried uh, because I mean Stevenson's been a guy that I've loved in the past as well, uh, but with that explosion at catcher that you're referencing, I just – I don't feel like the desire to pay the price considering what we've seen. What we've seen is like a below average exit velocity, a guy that's having trouble staying on the field now. Um, it's a great park. Uh, he's going to play a I lot. Not that park, by the way. Yeah. And I'm, I'm happy to do it. Like, I don't mind doing I, I don't mind saying that the park is a big reason why I'm staying bought in. But also, and I said this last year, 
the eye test for me a bit. I look at this mm-hmm. guy and like, I think power is going to develop. He's 6'4", 230. Like, I don't know. And I know not every guy who's built well, Yandy Diaz, you know, uh, not every guy who's built well he'll, hits for power. But I think he was starting to come into it a bit last year. I just really wish we could have seen his full season. Yeah, I mean, there is a little bit of a issue with it's not Yandy Diaz-esque launch angle, but you know, I mean, he only put the ball in the air like just short of thirty percent of the time last year, uh, and you're not going to take advantage of that home park if you're not putting the ball in the air. Uh, well, at least now, not via homers. I do believe yeah. that he can be an average asset though. Two ninety four, two eighty six, three nineteen in his three samples, only one of which was big. That was the two eighty six in two twenty twenty one. He can be an average asset. Maybe you don't get the power out of Stevenson, but if you get a 280 average at catcher with, with you know, low teens homers, that's still pretty great. Yeah, I have him as my 12th catcher right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have him kind of at the bottom of, like, the last tiers of, like, C1s I really want. Um so eighth. I'm 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 big on it. Th- I think you're a little too high. Still love my I, I think it's not unfair to say, especially because some of the guys right behind him I really like, two of whom could be on new teams, Danny Jansen and Sean Murphy. Yeah, I don't know how you put Sean Murphy behind Biden Stevenson. Um I've well, got Danny Jansen behind uh both of them, but if, if Murphy isn't moved, he's spending another year in Oakland and I think that which means he can DH like I mean he's he's going to volume his way into being a top 10 catcher he did this year at 612 plate appearances we'll see if he does that again again I think that a healthy Stevenson is is going to be playing a ton too though I don't know that the volume is going to carry somebody like Murphy over Stevenson because I believe that Stevenson can have a 20 30 point batting average edge that's that's plausible. So I think um, he can make it up there. Like I get, I'm not gonna, I'm I'm gonna be among the the rarer folks to have Murphy ahead of of Jansen, or excuse me, uh, Stevenson ahead of Murphy. Pardon me, but I'm willing to uh, I'm willing to bet on, on Stevenson still. I really am. Murphy it goes after Stevenson in the I early know. ADP. So you must be loving that. That like there is a really interesting window there from Stevenson. To I would even say Heim at eighteen, Stevenson at nine, to Heim at eighteen, and I even like Logan O'Hop at uh, at nineteen. Mm-hmm. The catcher is awesome. This it's so wild to say, and I hope it doesn't blow up in our faces. The one year we're like, oh, the catcher's deep now, and then they all regress. But it feels really deep, and maybe just the simple volume alone. No matter how much you love uh, Tyler Stevenson, or no matter how much you love an Alejandro Kirk and MJ Melendez going at seven eight, maybe just the overall depth says you should wait. A bit at catcher because you can still get usually people wait at catcher because they're punting we don't subscribe to that we tell people yeah. you should get good catchers if you punt you are giving something away but you may be able to wait this year just because it's deep mm-hmm. i i mean i think you can uh you know i mean the 30th catcher at least last i checked the 30th catcher coming off the board was jose trevino like so i'm still fine true. like that if he's my c2 like that's a pretty damn good c2 i think He's a great defender, so he's going to play, right? Yeah, and it's still a great lineup. I don't think the Yankees are going to do anything to dethrone him as their top catcher. So, like, if if, if you were going to punt catcher in a two-catcher league, I mean, you should always kind of punt catcher in one-catcher league. But 
if you were going to punt catcher in two catcher league, like, unless you get real Muto or something, like I'm, I'm yeah. okay paying for the top top in one catcher, but I would I hear you. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I want I want one of the top eight or nine, and then yeah. I want to wait. Like that's I, exactly I, how I want to go. I want to get a stud, and then a, and then a low mid tier type that I like. Mm-hmm. And Jonah Heim is probably going to be that guy quite a bit. He had a dreadful August and September, and I was just looking at it yesterday. There'll be in an article. If you're listening to this pod the day it's released on Tuesday, then my article might already be up too because I didn't get to post it yesterday because I have the crappiest laptop in the universe. Um, looking at Heim's fall off, I I I, I think it's a fluke. I think he was unlucky. He had like a 105 Babbitt for the two months or whatever. So I'm buying back in on him. But I, I like Stevenson. I understand the pushback. I, I'm not going to go too hard and say like, oh, no, you're wrong. It'll just be one of those where we disagree a little bit, and we'll see who comes out on top with Stevenson. But let's move on to first base. I know we've talked about this guy a lot recently. Two off-season pods. I can't ignore the Joey Manessis uh, steamer line though i'm sorry i have to bring him up again so pardon those of you but pardon me for those of you who are done hearing about joey manessis but oh my goodness did you see this line justin i mean i know you did because you did all Mm -hmm. the all the data but holy crap dude 264 314 465 slash with 29 homers 91 ribs 78 runs that's the sixth first baseman now this takes it beyond a um uh, any sort of Schwindelian comps at this point, because Schwindel might have had some love in the projections and might have been seen by the community as like a decent play for late. This is saying, no, Joey Manessis is an absolute stud. What say you about this steamer projection for Joey freaking Manessis? Man, this is, this is a problem. <laughs> um, uh, I, I just can't buy it. Like, I just can't. Like, I, I love that they regressed him, you know, what, 60 batting average points because I think that's fair. But yeah, 29 home runs. Oh, that's I just really believe in the pop, which, hey, by the way, we talk about Park, and I, I know we've hinted at it at least uh, here and there on, on this show, but we need to talk about Washington as a positive park. Too. Yeah. It did fall off a bit last year from where it had been, but it is still a positive home run park for sure. It dropped to 11th. It had been third um, for the three-year period prior to 2022, so I don't know exactly what happened. Or that, Excuse me, it was um, it was eighth. Okay, sorry. It was eighth uh, for a while there. So it's, it's only fallen down a bit. It was fifth overall is what, what I had seen um, for the three years, 20. I guess that would be 19, 20, and 21. Of course, 20 could have skewed that by just being crazy for 60 games at any rate, or uh, 30 games. At any rate, you look at this Manessis situation. He's 31. We've talked so much about him. I know. Does this bring you over to his side at all, though? Like, How much do you look at a projection on a guy that maybe you didn't love and say, "Mm, that's got me. I'm sure it's case by case, so do the Manessis case. We were both kind of like, He's not a bad hitter. We could see some positive things, but we're not really diving in. You see this. Does that change your mind on Joy Manessis when they give him a near 30-90 projection? I mean, here's the thing about proje- projections. Um, projections are done on a computer, uh, and we don't get to see the inputs. Um, True, but a lot of times they strip out bias. And, and like they have their own biases, right? For sure. But but they can strip out biases like, oh, this is some old dude who popped off for 56 games and I don't know what to make of him type of deal. The computer synthesizes his, you know, 56 games and his minor league data and still comes out this strong. 
which I think basically what I think this projection says is that they fully believe that he's a like legit power hitter, right? And if he is, then he can have a really great season. Does this make you buy into Joey Manessis anymore? I don't think it does. Like, I don't think it changes because I, I don't. I think what it does is challenges me to go into a deeper dive and, and you know, do You're I. You're not believe? ranking him six at first base? Absolutely <laughs> not. Like, uh, <laughs> let me see where I currently have him. I got him low. I could probably see that. I mean, of uh, course. Like, neither of us are putting him anywhere near six. Um, I was stunned when I saw it. And I agree with you, by the way, about make it ones like this make me do a deeper dive. I want to check myself. I never want to just be so arrogant to be like, well, this projection system's wrong. I'm right. And, you know, of course, I'm a dumbass, but I still look at this and I, I can't get anywhere near there. I think the best I could do is probably move him into like the top 25 because he's currently yeah. not there, Justin. <laughs> well, yeah, I just moved him to the top 25 while we were talking. So maybe it is moving me a little bit. Um, I have him twenty second. Okay. Uh, I I can't imagine, and and I think he could easily move down as we get more information on other guys that I currently have ranked below him, like Miguel Vargas, like uh, Jonathan Arenada. Um, you Ooh, know, I, I like that. Uh, I like him, by the way. I like him a lot. I just don't know what the role is going to be. That's the thing. He, he can't really play any position, uh, Jonathan Aranda, for the Rays. But dude can hit. He's another one of these guys that can just hit, but they don't know where to play. I think that's why they moved Choi, by the way. Not to not to sidetrack us, but and that's why they were comfortable moving Choi. That's so a good call on Aranda. Uh, but we'll get more. We'll get into him more down the line. Like so, yeah. So you're moving as, up Manessis a bit. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I mean, as I'm looking at my ranks, I'm like, can I really rank Manessis above Cassis? I think I have to right now because he's got a full time role, and I don't know what Cassis' role is. Like did, I, did you see the note today about Boston? No. Well, that it's vague. It doesn't necessarily cut into Cassis or anything, but it says they plan to be big spenders this offseason. Well, yeah, where can you imagine. usually spend? I mean, but you can usually find not that you should, by the way. I don't think you should buy a first baseman. If you're going to be spending, you should be spending up the middle and getting pitching. Yeah. But could they maybe bring in somebody that that clouds Cassis's playing time? I don't think they will. I mean, he's a top tier prospect. They certainly um, shouldn't. Yeah. I guess I don't even know who that would be. Like, why would you bring in Josh Bell or Jose Abreu over Cassis? So you know what? Um, forget that worry. That I that, wonder, that is a note about to them. Me it's got to be pitching, right? Like, if you're pitching, Boston and you're going to spend like pitching and outfield, I think would be the two spots. Or I mean, I, would, I just want to bring a shortstop, but I mean, you, you have Trevor Story. Are you moving yeah. him to second in in year two? Is is well? He's already been at second. He was in second all year because Bogart. But it was always supposed to be a one-year thing, though. Yeah. Right, because they weren't. Gonna, are you saying they it's, would keep Bogarts? That's what I think. I think, but I mean, well, in that case, if you can keep Bogarts, I'm fine keeping Story at second. But I thought it yeah. was always a one-year, and then we transition back to Story. By the way, don't forget they also have Hosmer, so they're not going to do anything at first to in, encroach upon Cassis going back to you discussing Cassis versus Manessis Cassis versus Manassas. Um, that's not how you pronounce his last name, but it rhymes. So I liked it mm -hmm. better. So Cassis versus Manassas, you're not quite ready to uh, have Cassis above him. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think, you know, like I've got right now, I've got Manassas right above Brandon Drury, where we don't know what his playing time situation is going to be yep. right above Seth Brown, who 
Uh, I love the power, but the plate skills are awful. Yeah, I, I like uh, him, but I, I know his flaws, and he's yeah. I mean, but I can also make the argument that Seth Brown should be above him because he's outfield eligible and he's going to play. Like, it, he can I mean, run he a can, bit too. Yeah, he's not a slow guy. Don't just judge him as some slow power white dude. He's and, not. You know, he's not going to sit in Oakland. Like, I, mean, I don't think so. No, they might trade him though. He's thirty. He could next year. Yeah. So you could see a situ situation where they kind of sell high on the on this good season plus from from Seth Brown because a team might see him as a great. Um, uh, first and all three outfields. He can hang out in center a little bit. You don't want him there permanently, but if you got to play him in, in center here and there, you can with Seth Brown. So that's an interesting one. But we'll see if Man Manessis rises up our boards. And again, sorry for the third pod in the offseason to talk about him, but when I saw that, I had to bring it up. I, Crazy I just, line. Until he raises that launch angle. Um, he being Manessis? Yeah, I just don't know that like he can tap into that kind of power. Like Steamer's projecting him to put the ball in the air way more than he has. Um and I don't know where they're getting it from. Like I Yeah. And it, he does hit the ball hard with regularity, but he's not like a massive power guy and he's also not uh like he he's like barely above, above league average in terms of zone contact. So like I just don't I think he's like a 260 hitter. He may get the 25 home runs because of the PT. Like that's, I think that's fine. Like Does it's, it's 90 ribbies on that team though. Even if he no, plays every no day. one, they may not score 90 runs. <laughs> that team is I'm, awful. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just wondering where those ribs come from too. I mean, yeah, give them full playing time. I still don't quite see it, but uh, yeah, that's Joey Manessis. Let's move on to a guy that, that we love on this show. Uh, so much so that we were promoting him as a potential first rounder last year. In fact, took him as such in some leagues. It did not work out, primarily due to injury, but we'll, we'll eat that L on Ozzy Albies. Uh, 64 games, and they weren't particularly good when he did play, but obviously the time missed was a big issue. Steamer is saying run. Run for the hills. Uh, well, maybe not run for the hills. When I tell you this line, you're not going to be like, what, what do you mean run for the hills? But 259 average, 21 homer or 20 homers, 13 stolen bases for Albies, which is pretty pedestrian for you know what people are expecting out of him, especially where he's being drafted. Which uh, he and he did make your uh, he did make your list, didn't he? Oh wait, no, that yeah. was uh, he, he he did make your list of potential busts, right? Yeah, I just forgot to tag him. Oh, okay, uh, on, on the side, I just did it, so uh, hopefully it will pop up here. So what did you um, see with our boy Ozzy, and, and how do you feel about the Steamer projection for him? He had the largest gap between what Steamer says he will do and uh, what ADP is in turn, like a negative gap, right? Like so, Steamer uh, says that um, he is like, oh God, now I gotta find him. Oh, I can, I've got it right here. So Steamer says he will be the ninety-second best hitter. Uh, projection the ninety-second best hitter this year. NFBC is currently drafting him as the 28th best hitter. Um, that's not good. Uh, I think it all comes down to playing time, though. I mean, when I kind of looked at this, you know, if you uh, if you kind of change around the playing time a little bit um, and you kind of project him to hit in the top half of the lineup where he's hit most of his career – like he he'll be fine. Like he, I think he's fine. I think he's a potential first round talent uh, that you're getting. I got him in the fourth round of my first draft this year in a 15 teamer. 
that's the thing. I'm 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 open to the discount on on all. I this. am too. You the know, question I'm, is, I'm not question is, do you believe he can stay healthy? Um, I mean, I don't know, but you know how I feel about injury. Like I'm not I'm not going to try to be Mr. Injury Predictor because I don't think we're good enough to do that. I am going to be smart and like if somebody has chronic injuries, I'm going to take that into consideration and all that. But man, I think this discount. At what, at what point do we consider this chronic though? Because this is now the second time in the last three years that he's missed a large portion of the season. He missed ha- almost half of the, or I think half of the 2020 season due to injury, and now he's missed. But that's not half of a season. That's 30 games. But it's all we have to go on, and I think that's part of the issue here. And part of the issue with a lot of steamers' projections this year is they still waiting in 2020. And when you miss 30 games or 31 games, as in Albie's case, I believe it was, uh, that's 50, you know, 51% of the season. So if that, if that is weighed heavily, then I think the projection systems are messing up. If I, that counts the same as missing half of a regular season or any, I don't, near, I don't know how they're, I don't know how waiting. It's not how I would weight it. Yeah. Um, but uh, I mean, that, and I mean, he was also bad before the injury. Like we can't. Like, it's a wrist, count. foot, and a pinky, right? Three different things here mm-hmm. for Albies. And a pinky, I agree with super you. fluky. I mean, yeah. And I agree with you that you know he wasn't very good when in the sixty-four games that Albies did play. So we can't just say, oh, it was just injury. Like there was a power outage there. He seems to be a great candidate for your type of uh, middling power guys that that mm-hmm. you were diagnosing early last year that were going to have the biggest issue with this power drop off. So maybe he'd have gotten a little bit of it back in the summer if he'd have been able to play. But but he was he was sidelined. I don't know, man. I think third, fourth round is still going to be good enough for me to buy back on Albies. We're still talking about a 26-year-old um, who's shown greatness coming off the 30-20 season back in 21. He's on an amazing team. I'm willing to take the plunge. I don't think I agree with. I don't think I yeah. agree with Steamer being cautious. I, I, I understand where that projection comes from. I do. But it's not going to make me tap the brakes and, and not draft him in that uh, third, fourth round range. Yeah, and like I said, I already have taken him once in the fourth round, uh, and I almost took him at first pitch. I just wanted to uh, take different guys. Yeah, not not so. just get all the same guys that you had. Mm-hmm. So, I think we're staying in on Albies, but uh, you know, we'll see how the off season goes too. Because if he starts to rise, right, as people get more comfortable with him, and we get into February, March part of draft season, there is a world where he gets back into that second round area. And then maybe we press the brakes and say, okay, I'm not quite willing to pay, you know, that full price from last year, but I'm willing to pay the discounted price right now on Albies. Mm-hmm. Let's move over to shortstop. Talk about Hassan Kim, another show favorite of ours. You know, he did he did yeoman's work, as as they like to say, filling in this year, not missing a beat when uh, when Tatis was ruled out for the year. He'd been he uh, being Kim had been bouncing around. Then obviously he gets the full time shortstop's role. And ends up playing 150 games, 582 plate appearances, 11 homers, 12 steals, 251 average. Nothing that's like winning you your league, but a nice little solid fill-in, uh, probably at the MI or CI spot, depending on where people were playing him, because he had third base eligibility. Uh, he was triple eligible last year, so it could have even been one of the actual second, third, short positions, let alone MI and CI. So he was a nice little Swiss Army knife, especially in those deeper formats that you and I play. In 12 teams, he's probably still pretty fringe uh, and not necessarily somebody you're playing every week. Looks like the steamer projection thinks that he can be a bit better, though. 
17 homers, 12 steals. Same steal count, but six more homers. Batting average down to 248 from the 251. So we'll call it basically the same average. But they like a little bit of a power spike here. How do you see Hassan Kim in his third season stateside? Uh, where is this power spike coming from? I mean, in fairness, it's only a 15-point ISO jump. It could simply be a smooth, you know, a rise toward league average of his homer to fly ball rate, which was just seven percent this year, ten percent in twenty one. So it might just be as simple as they think a few extra fly balls go over the fence. And they also are giving him forty more plate appearances. They think he's so going to have go. a full time role. Um, his ex home run was fourteen and a half, so it's three and a half over where he actually finished. So then you add in those plate. I can I guess I can get yeah, there. We, we're kind of piecing it together how they got there, and I, I don't think it's outlandish. Um, what I'd really like to see, though, what I what I think his skills portend to more is a rise in the batting average and hopefully the steals. I would take eleven homers if it came with eighteen steals and a two seventy average, right? I, I would be. I think that would actually be a more valuable line to me based on what I'm drafting and, and where I'm where I'm drafting um, uh, Kim. I think that would actually be better. I mean, if he takes a power jump instead of a speed jump, I'm not going to complain. I'll take this this stat line here. But I think it'd be cool if he kind of flipped it, 12 homers, 17 steals, and then the batting average goes up. Because, I mean, he's not a huge contact guy, uh, 18%, 17% carry, but only 7% swinging strike. He puts the ball in play, Kim does. So do you think that that could be a path where the average and speed actually go up and maybe the power stays similar? Um, yeah, I don't know. I, give I, us, give I, us his plate skill rundown. You're always keyed in on the um, yeah, second I mean, level plate skill metrics. The plate skills are pretty good. 88% zone contact. So, you know, it's, it's a, you know, he's making a, a good amount of zone or uh, contact within the zone. Uh, you know, it's above that's above leaf average, which was around 85% last year. Okay. Uh, not swing outside the zone a ton, 27%. That's well below league average. So is the uh, swinging strike rate. He's four points below yeah. league average on swinging strike rate for Hassan Kim. Yeah, I mean, his whiff percentage was in the 84th percentile. Um, he doesn't hit the ball with very much authority. And so that's where that's where I start to go. I don't know if I buy that 17 home runs. I would probably project 14 or 15. And I think there are massive playing time concerns once Tatis comes back. Not that I think he's going to like lose all of his playing time, but the idea that he's going to get to 600 plate appearances, he could. Will he? I think it depends on what I the Padres do. Like right now, as the team stands, yeah, I think he's getting 600 plate appearances. But do we not think, like, are they really going to roll with Jake Cronenworth at first base? Why not? I, I think they would go and get a first baseman. You know, maybe I they bring him back to Josh actually. Bell. Um, yeah. Maybe they keep Drury or Bell um, because they, you know, especially Drury can play other spots too. But I don't know that they're necessarily out on Cronenworth as a first baseman. He's not a traditional first baseman, right? 17 homers this mm -hmm. year, 21 last year. But he does other things and has that positional flexibility that I think they might actually be fine with that. You got to start to, you know, wonder if if money becomes an issue too. You know, they're going to be paying Hader a big, big raise. 
They've got uh, obviously the big Machado deal. They got Soto going up. Yeah, but they got Will Myers off the books. They got some guys off the books, but um, you know they got Eggy Rosario in at second base right now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I didn't realize how many free agents they had. Um, yeah, I, I actually think Kim's playing time should be fine because yeah. I don't know that they're just going to replace every open spot here. They got left field that looks pretty open, second base that looks pretty open, DH as well. They got Jorge Alfaro penciled in there right now. I think they might get one guy for those, Tatis for one of the other spots, and then kind of piece it together with something small and not Tat- necessarily a big guy that's going to take Kim's PT. Does Tatis go to the outfield? He might Would go he- to the outfield. They also talked about him playing some second base. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that you're looking at a guy who's potentially like a 250 hitter, you know, mid-teens home runs, probably 14, 15, 16, something like that. Um Teen stolen bases. Uh, and if he's leading off, which is what Russell Resource has been projected for, uh, a boatload of runs. Um, you know, I, I wonder if this would be a team that would want to go get a leadoff hitter, uh, like a more traditional guy who, you know, at least walks at a double digit rate. Yeah. Um, but I think uh, Cronenworth could, could be a leadoff hitter for them. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I like him. I, I think the price is fine. Like, I don't think the price is bad at all. And I mean, Steamer loves the price. It, it you know, has him as the 122nd best hitter. It's currently going as the 163rd hitter, which is 273 overall. So I, I'm going to, I'm going to take that discount there all day on Kim relative to where the projections are. I do think that there is some community trepidation about the playing time. They maybe think he's going to go back to a part-time role. I don't see that. I think he was brought over to play. He's not being paid a ton uh, by any stretch. So I don't think this is like a money forcing. He's going to make seven mil, which is actually perfectly fine for a utility hitter. But I look at this team comp, uh, composition right now, and I think that there are avenues for Hassan Kim to continue to play every day, even when Fernando Tatis Jr. comes back. So I'll be taking him. He did lose one of the eligibilities. He didn't keep second base, but he still has short and third. So you can still do CIMI. That's four positions on your plus utility. Of course, everyone has that. So that's four positions that you can put on your roster for Kim. I'm, I'm getting more stock of him this year as I have the first two years of his career in the majors. Moving on to our next guy. Sorry, Justin. Uh, you might want to close your ears for this one. Of course, that would make me talking to myself. But Josh Rojas, steamer, not a fan. And I Nobody is how hurt you are by this. 10 homers, 15 steals, 250 average. Uh, the homers is actually one above last year's mark uh, from nine, but the steals is a big drop off from 23. And the batting averages, too. He hit 269 last year. They got him going down to 250. They don't like your boy, man. 29 years old. They don't even have him for a full time role, 125 games again, which is what he played last year, but that's because he missed some time. So it's a pretty negative outlook. How did you feel when you saw the Josh Rojas numbers from Steamer relative to where he's going in drafts? I have been slowly coming to grips with the fact that I'm too high on Josh Rojas. I think this is maybe the final nail in the coffin. Um, Maybe I just want him to have a full-time role, but I think everything points to him potentially not. Now, that can all work out, right? Like, he, you know, was losing playing time, and then everybody on the Diamondbacks got hurt. Yeah. Um, so, by the way, when but, when you said that you're coming to terms with like 
you know, the realization that maybe you're too in on, on Rojas. I envisioned weirdly, I'm, so I'm going to share this, uh, right. Alex Chamberlain, who lives in Hawaii, by the mm-hmm. way. So out in like the ocean on a raft in a castaway situation, wherein he's named his volleyball Rojas mm-hmm. and he's having like a big fight with him saying you're not real type of deal. Like that's, is that the kind of realization that you're going through? Cause I, I imagine that Alex is, is battling that daily with his volleyball right. that he named Rojas. I, I feel like that is maybe the best analogy of all time. Um, and uh, and I've got the beard for... Yeah, you're, um, you're ready to fill in. Yeah. And, and like combining the two of you too, because you got the beard, like you're, you're, you're in that uh, castaway state. But also for whatever reason, the last two times I've seen Alex Chamberlain on screen, I think it was during PitchCon and he was shirtless. So he was mm-hmm. already in a little bit of a scraggled state, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. And I think he's probably having a, a really tough time with this. We should probably check in on him after this steamer projection for Rojas. I think that'd be a good idea. So you are realizing that uh, maybe it's a little rough. He can't hit lefties. And the defense is so bad right now that his positional flexibility is only, he is that traditional guy of like he plays everywhere because he can't play anywhere type of thing. And I wonder if that's going to start to hurt him as more and more young players come up for the D-backs. Is that the realization that you're making with Rojas? Yeah, plus the Nick Ahmed's going to be healthy again. They've always really loved Nick Ahmed. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're he's a, a team. beautiful shortstop. Like he's yeah. so good at playing short. Yeah, they're they're a team with a lot of young guys coming up, but also because they don't have a lot of like money on the payroll right now, like they could be big spenders. Like I would not be surprised if they were a team that like pulls like a big free agent. They've done in the past, right? They've they they've not been shy about like going out and like you know popping a big deal or two. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just worry that the playing time for him is going to be sparse early on, and I really wish I had not drafted him as highly as I did in my first draft. Um, I definitely have to drop in my ranks. Um, so unfortunately, I haven't I haven't finished my or I haven't finished updating my ranks because uh, my kid was sick, so I wasn't able to work as late as I wanted to last night. Uh, but uh, he'll be he'll be plummeting. He'll okay. be plummeting in the ranks. Unfortunately, I still like him, and I think a lot of people are going to be talking negatively about him. And so I think his ADP is going to drop considerably. Uh, and so one sixty one, yeah. So in your in your DCs, uh, like I think he'll be a fine kind of bench bat option. Uh, but losing that outfield eligibility hurts too, because yes, you know that that you know as we keep saying. It's the weakest position in fantasy this year, and uh, it would have been really nice for him to be able to retain that. Um, maybe he gets it back in season as he gets maybe pushed to the outfield at times as a super Although, utility guy. That would take lots of injuries because they're already full. We were talking about this. Yeah. We talked about this at the FPAS. Like where does uh, Alec Thomas? Yeah, where the heck is even Alec Thomas? So then I think, I think he's going to be fine. I think Alec Rojas Thomas would be after fine. that. Well, I mean, but. I don't think he is going to be fine. Well, and Steamer loves dark. Jake McCarthy. Oh, they do. I didn't even <laughs> yeah. see that one. Yeah, like Steamer. Um, I, I was I I was really surprised. Um, oh, fifteen homers, twenty eight steals, two fifty eight average. Yeah, that would be that'd be quite a season out of uh, Jake McCarthy there. Yeah, Steamer has him as the 59th best. Um, 24th outfielder. Yeah. 59th best hitter. 59th best hitter. He's going as the 82nd best hitter right now. Um, I, I'm not on board with that. I, I'm not either, man. I, 
I wrote up his his forecaster blurb, and I just I'm not a hundred percent sure on the power with McCarthy. He made a swing change in 21 that helped him start to show power at the minor league level. He kept that up at the minors again this year, brought some of it to the majors, hit eight homers in 199 games. That's not terrible. The speed really drove him. I don't know if the hitting is there. 15-28 with a 258 average, though, that would be amazing if Steamer is correct. I don't mm-hmm. know that they are, though. Yeah, I, I, I'm I, not buying that at all. I, yeah. So I'll, I'll do a deep dive at some point, but... I, my my general feelings or my initial feelings on on Jake McCarthy is that uh, I'm not going to buy what people are putting down Fate. for him. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. I'm picking on you because I did two in a row here that that sting your heart. Uh, actually, I don't know. I wrote Brandon Marsh down here. With, he had a negative one, right? Let me see. Brandon Marsh. Yeah. 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 Okay. So I, I'm hitting you with two guys that you like. They did not feel good about Brandon Marsh, and I get it. Right? You look. It's it's all due to the fact that he strikes out so much which I'm sure you're going to acknowledge, you know, he has to, he has to start fixing, but um, there was not a lot of love and steamer for him. 10 homers, 11 steals and 473 plate appearances with a 231 average, 31% K 8% walk rate. It does come down to that swing and miss. He played better with Philly 114 WRC plus, but still struck out. Didn't walk. Actually it was only two for four on the bases too. What are you seeing out of your boy? He's only going to be 25 next year. You're a big Brandon Marsh guy. I totally get it. Power speed guy. The, the upside is there. We saw glimpses in the playoffs of excellence. Where are you going to be with Brandon Marsh next year? Um, first year, first full year in Philly. Um, I think he's going to get fixed. Uh, I'm back in, baby. I never left. I was going to say, you, never, you didn't go anywhere. And like this is one of like the biggest like steamer fades right now. Uh, they have him as uh, the 274th hitter off the board. 274th hitter? Hitter off the board. Um, And he's going 162 hitter off the board. He's going 270 in ADP. Yeah, he's the 270th player off the board. They think he's four spots worse among hitters. They think he should drop 112 spots uh from hitters just hitters no that doesn't include pitchers so holy uh, yeah i don't know if i mean that's that's pretty hates him but 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 you understand why right like it is this, it is all of that swing and miss and and, and looking like the he's thing. kind of flailing at the dish i understand like it's if you if you just look at what he did in philadelphia you're gonna go well it's a 30 percent strikeout rate it was just an 11 percent swing and strike rate which was an improvement a three-point improvement that yeah. is worth noting. Like you it might sound like you're being tongue in cheek because that is still about average, but that's about average. He was at 14% yeah. with the he, Angels. He also had an above average zone contact. Okay. 87.5%. So, um, we know there's power in the bat, right? Yes, yes. We know there's speed in the profile, yep. right? And he plays a mean defense. So that's, that's huge for Philly, especially for Philly because you've got. We don't know when Bryce Harper is going to be ready to play the outfield or if he's going to be ready to play the outfield. Yeah. Like, um, so you've got Nick Castellanos on one side and Kyle Schwarber on the other. You're going to play the best defender possible. That's Brandon Marsh. Oh, I do believe Brandon Marsh is going to get that PT. I agree. He would have to be playing pretty badly to get hit up. Now, let me bring up this, though, because Matt Veerling is a pretty good platoon partner and can play a true center as well. Do you worry that Marsh is in a straight platoon? I I, I do not. Okay. At least not yet. Uh, but 
like I like I said, I think what Steamer says right now is that Brandon Marsh's price is going to drop a ton because I think a lot of the projection systems are going to be right in line with this. Um, yeah, and, and as those come out, they'll start to impact the drafts. Mm-hmm. We will see that. So give me all the Brandon Marsh if that happens. Like okay. I, I'll take stand bought in. I think there is a potential, even if he is swinging and missing, that um, he is, you know, some version of Adolis Garcia, like where he can hit for power, he can hit for speed, and, and maybe the batting average sucks. Um, but uh, I can't fully disagree with that after what Garcia just did, and I right? was extra. I'm out still on fading him. Adolis Garcia. This well, especially year, yeah, because the price has risen. Give me the next Adolis. There, there you go. I see what you're saying is that Marsh could be the next guy to jump up and be that Adolis Garcia, leveraging his defense into full-time role and playing just well enough. Uh, and what I mean by just well enough, I mean by putting up skills, plate skills that are just good enough to keep the playing time while his fantasy skills were off the charts, which mm-hmm. is what the case was for Adelise with the power and speed. I didn't want to go too negative, uh, two, two negatives in a row and then end hitters that way. So I want to throw an extra outfielder in. Oscar Gonzalez got some major love from the uh, from Steamer here, and it's power related for sure. He came out by the way, ninety one games, eleven homers, two ninety six average. Interesting guy though, right? Twenty percent K rate, which is not bad, but a fourteen percent swing strike rate, which as we just said was three points higher than average, and only a four percent walk rate. Wonky plate skills there that didn't seem to hurt him because when he made contact, he smacked the hell out of the ball oscar gonzalez did so he had a 345 babbit all in all it was like a good line it was a good season but it it left some questions steamer does not see many questions there they're projecting the power to continue to rise putting him up nearly 30 points in iso from 166 to 193 the result is a 23 homer season in 567 plate appearances with a 275 average 19 percent k four percent walk that's pretty robust uh, for Oscar Gonzalez out in Cleveland, do you agree with Steamer? Uh, oh man, um, I think there are going to be a lot of Adolis Garcia comps on uh, on Oscar Gonzalez, and while they're not necessarily unfair, like I don't think that they're like spot on. In, uh, Only in the- at the dish, though, right? Because Oscar does not have defense like Garcia, right? yeah. Well, I think because because he swings and misses outside the zone so much, gotcha, right? Gotcha. Like, um, you know, he he's also doesn't forty- run like him, so be careful yeah. when people are making those comps too closely. He's got a forty-eight percent O swing, but here's the thing: he's got he just swings at everything. He does. Like, he, Oscar Gonzalez ain't met a pitch that he doesn't love to swing at. Yeah, I mean, he has a he had a seventy-six zone uh, swing percentage, which would put him if he had been a qualified hitter as like um, a top 20 in terms of aggressiveness inside of the zone. Um, like, I think he's just going to keep swinging. I think the problem will come for Oscar Gonzalez is when pitchers start saying, well, why am I going to put it in the zone against you? Yeah. He's like, just keep swinging. Just keep swinging. Isn't that the song um, from uh, Finding Nemo? Yeah. And I just think that there wasn't enough time for him at the major league level where pitchers really changed what they were going to do against him. And I think they I will. I think he outran 
the uh, the adjustment to him and the clock ran out on it, 91 games for Oscar Gonzalez. Mm-hmm. So we didn't quite see the impact of his free swinging ways just yet. Yeah, and I I think once that happens, he could have a major a major crash. Now so that sounds to me like you're you're fading what uh, what Steve is saying here. Where he's going, it's not a bad price. Like we're not talking about a guy who's like inside the top 150. I think the question becomes with uh, with Steamer saying he probably should be in the top 150 or close to it. If his price raises, then I'm going to start to fade, but. I think there are going to be a lot of people who express these similar concerns that we are. And this is what happened with Adolis Garcia last year is yeah. he started off pretty hot in terms of ADP. And I mean, not like super hot or anything like that. And then everybody went, look at the skills, look at the skills, look at the skills. And by the time draft came around in March, he was a bargain. Like, I don't care what the Big skills time. are. Like he was going to play. I think Oscar Gonzalez is going to play. I mean, I know he's not like a premium defender or anything, but Cleveland doesn't have a ton. Um, and no, and I think they, I, I think they want to see where this bat goes too. Because I, yeah, the one I thing I do too. agree with Steamer is I, I can see a power rise. Mm-hmm. The dude looks the part of a, of a masher, um, but he he has some Jorge Solarian type traits that didn't right. show up former, in the K rate. Former teammate Franmil Reyes, right? There you like, go. There you go. It didn't quite show up in the twenty percent K rate that we saw. But it's looming there, and he did have a lot more strikeouts in the minors. This is this being Oscar Gonzalez. So, this is a positive projection, but I'm not sure that Justin and I see it all the way through. I mean, his largest walk rate in the minor leagues, like, is six percent, and like that was his, you know, rookie ball in 2015. <laughs> like he, most of the minor leagues, he was rocking at a three percent rate. Um, and I just don't know that, uh, you know, you're you're going up against guys who are trying to live in the zone because they want to show that they can live in the zone. Um, and I just don't know that major league pitchers, like, are going to keep pounding the zone against him if he's yep. not going to show the ability to lay off of it. That's a good call. That, that's a really good call there. Uh, so be careful with Oscar Gonzalez. Could be a little bit of a trap based on that great 91 games. I could see some regression here. Think- and. I'm just going to say with Oscar Gonzalez, if you're in a 10 or a 12 team league, take the, take it, take, because take the upside. Cause you could get 30 homers. Draw, and he strikes, you can drop him. Yeah. yeah he strikes out 30%. You're cutting him in April. I think the problem is if you're playing in a deeper league, 15 team a only like you may not have, especially with how bad the outfield is, there is no replacement value. So like right now I'm in a 12 team draft I'm doing um, that I shared with you. I have no problem taking Oscar Gonzalez kind of where he's going. Like, yeah. it, you know, I might, I might end up just grabbing him just to have one share. Uh, but he's probably off my board in most 15s. Yep. League context matters so much. And we talk about that a lot and it can wildly sway a player's value and your interest in him. And I think Oscar Gonzalez is a good case of that because outfield shallowness, uh, you want to be having him in a league where you can comfortably replace him. Tens and twelves definitely offer that for Oscar Gonzalez. Let's talk pitcher and get out of here. This one doesn't surprise me that they're hot on him. I'm just wondering if the market's going to follow suit. That's Tyler McGill over in uh, New York for the Mets. The reason I'm not surprised is because his core skills, the strikeout and walk specifically, were very good. Again, uh, for 89 and two-thirds back in 2021 and then for 47 and a third this year. So it's 137 total innings 
where he's at a 19% strikeout minus walk with a 12% swinging strike rate. That's really good. What's gotten him has been the home runs. And this year, it really was that overwhelmingly disastrous start that he had that effectively ended his season. I believe he did come back after that, but I don't know if he made another starter. If he did, it wasn't many. After he gave up, let's see, eight runs in one and a third, moved his ERA from 243 to 441 in one fell swoop in mid-May. Oh, he did make, uh, he made two more starts uh, in June when he first returned from the IL, then went back on the IL until September, missed 94 days, and then relieved in September. So I think Tyler McGill's a bit forgotten right now, which I kind of like, uh, kind of keeping the price at bay. And then you turn around and see Steamer now, 376 ERA, 121 whip with the aforementioned 19% or 18% uh, strikeout minus walk projection. Are you in on Tyler McGill uh, for the uh, for the rebound? Who um, is going to pick 309, by the way? Yeah, I think at that price, that's that's fine. Like that, I, that's I, what I like so much about it, is that like it just the, the market is just not charging much for Tyler McGill yeah. right now. He's the 44th starter, according to Steamer. Pardon me, one spot ahead of Julio Urias, who we were going to talk about, but we didn't. But maybe that'll be another episode where we get into more because Steamer hates Julio Urias. I mean, I understand why, but like that's I get it. But me. I'll be writing they, that one up probably tonight. Um, yeah, they got Springs and McGill ahead of him. But what about McGill at, at, as the 44th starter? Um, you know, you don't have to pay anywhere near that. He's the 116th pitcher. I mean, even if you take like, I don't know He's exactly 80, how many. 80, 87. Okay, starter. there you go. I was gonna say take about so. 40, 40 pitches off there. Um, so is that something that you're paying? Are, are you buying in on this for McGill? Oh, I, according to my ranks, I'm, I don't think I am. I don't, I can't even find him. Um, oh no, I mean, I got him above where he's gone in ADP. Oh, where, where you got him? I've got him 80th. Okay. Uh, I think the innings are the biggest concern for me. Like what kind of innings total do we get? He missed a lot of time. And I know a lot. I know. I, I know. Gonna baby him. You have him 80th. You have him higher than me. I thought I was a McGill guy. Yeah, I mean, I love the skills. I just, I do, I kind of have them in a tier of guys who like, hey, real interesting, you know, arm, but like, yep. what can I reasonably expect from uh, Andrew Heaney and Aaron Ashby, uh, you know, teammate David Peterson. Yeah, I got him right around um, some of those guys too. So I just have him a little bit lower, but in the same general vicinity, by the way. Maybe we'll do one where I give you some more favorable names instead of ripping Rojas and Marsh because they love Heaney. Holy crap. Because it's all course. about health. Yeah, like when he's on the mound, he's really Yeah, good. so I'm not surprised by that like any more than I am surprised. Like I, I get the Urias drop too because he's beaten his his Sierra so much the past years. But I get it with Heaney. If, if, if you could magically keep him healthy for 140 innings, he could be a god. But McGill. 140, that's not a crazy number. He's going to be 27. Like, do the Mets really have to baby him? Like, I think they're going to see him as a key piece of the back end of that rotation. I think they believe in him, too. I really do. And so, I, you know, if they lose to Grom, which we don't know, I, I don't know how you feel about that. It seems likely they're like they're going to, right? But even if you lock him in, say they get him back, DeGrom, Scherzer, Carrasco, Peterson, McGill, there's your there's your top five. I still I still think there's room for him there, even if they keep Degrom. Then if they lose him, I think it's I think it's a slam dunk. 
Yeah, I think. I mean, I think they're going to add someone in spring training. Maybe sure. Uh, Yeah, uh, maybe maybe they go the bargain route, but then that mm -hmm. that doesn't kick out McGill unless. Yeah, no. I I think the only thing that keeps McGill out of the rotation is his health history. Like, is he? You know, is like is that elbow intact? I I think there are serious questions, and so I'm not going to like. I'll be interested to see where like projection like Steamer places McGill, um, because. I think there is a kind of injury red flag you got to put on him. So like you can't load him up with the Andrew Heaney's of the world, but you're not having to pay much for it. Like I'm totally fine with the price. Uh, I actually think the price, especially in shallower formats offers a really, uh, you know, nice um, buying opportunity because, you know, just like we were talking about with Oscar Gonzalez in a 12 team league or a 10 team league, if McGill's injured, there'll be a pitcher on the waiver wire. Absolutely. Like there, there's going to be someone that's out there that's worth picking up or you just stream that spot uh in a 15 team league i think you have to be a little bit more careful um with that i think that's fair i think i think that's definitely fair there um i'm not as fearful as i am outfield i'm i'm with you on the outfield panic and maybe we're overly panicking but set yourself in that state of mind to not get far behind on outfield and draft champions gnostic uh gnostic baseball's asking about chris bassett chris bassett's a free agent He's he a got the coughing so offer. They could, he should take that, by the way. He absolutely should take it. But I really, envision him taking a, that. That's a great call out, by the way. I envision him taking it. If Degrom doesn't come back, though, that still doesn't. That, then then you go Scherzer, Bassett, Carrasco, Peterson, McGill. Because Taiwan Walker is he taking also it? a free agent, but also got. Oh no, he didn't. No, he didn't. He didn't because he would take it in a second. I don't say that to diss him. I say it because his health is such that that's why he couldn't be offered that I, I think is that it, it would it would be too much to offer walker he would slam dunk take it after making oh wait 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 he has a six mil player option oh he must have declined that because he can make more yeah, than yeah, that yeah. Sure. that's where you probably saw a walker in the news so i i think there's a reasonable here's here's the question because we know the mets are going to make some moves whether it's bassett coming back or whatever mcgill versus peterson because it could come down to that if they if they do resign to grom and Bassett takes it, right? They go big on mo- on money there. Then it does become Peterson versus McGill. Where do you go on that bit? On that bid? Who? Because um, you mentioned that you have them ranked next to each- near each other, so I don't think it's just a straight ranking thing. Because even if you have them six, seven spots apart, that's essentially the same. Mm, so Bassett comes back, and someone else comes and in. DeGrom, whether- let's say Degrom resign. Like they go crazy. They say this is all in. We got Bassett to take the QO. We signed DeGrom to a two-year fucking $90 million deal. If it's DeGrom, if we're saying Bassett and DeGrom, that's all righties. So, like, I think you have to go with Peterson as the lefty, right? No. I know. I just love Miguel. You, I think you're right. That's, that's my, my anguish is that you're probably correct. And he's, you know, he threw what, like 70 innings, not even, 47 innings last year? Um I think you have Peterson to do- threw 106, right? He was yeah. more of a uh, not a well, full time starter, but he made and he, and he, I think, threw innings in the minor leagues, right? So, oh yeah, so he threw another 26 there, so buck 30, buck 32 for uh, for Peterson. So that's a pretty foolish season. Like he doesn't have to be baby, right? You guarantee yeah. you don't have to worry about. Plus, you've got the, the elbow worries with McGill. Like I think McGill becomes a. 
um, a swingman type guy. Like he's going to do two, three inning, you know, starts or two, three inning kind of stints. And then if somebody gets hurt, as someone always does, especially when you have, you know, in in this scenario, DeGrom, Carrasco, uh, you know. Even Bass, it's not a spring chicken. Like he doesn't get injured all the time, but he's just not young. I don't think that they re-signed DeGrom. I I do think they bring someone else in. but I I think Bassett takes it. And if he doesn't, then they work out a two-year, three-year deal with him. I I think Bassett's coming back. So by by one way or another, I agree with you. But I also agree that I I think DeGrom is going to go. I think they're going to disperse that money elsewhere. I don't think they're pocketing it. Cohen, I do think, is committed to spending. But I think they see what they've gotten out of DeGrom's innings the last couple years, and they make the judgment that they want you know, they want something more sturdy and I don't know if that's the right move, by the way. I'm not saying I fully agree with it, but I think that's where they're going to go. I agree with you. You you know where the money they should spend goes, should go to Wilson Contreras. That would, uh, he needs to turn down his, which we all knew, but I, I I, I know they they spent a lot of money on James McCann, but that was clearly a mistake at the time. And like, that is the one spot in their life. I'll I'll say this. You know what? I won't say it wasn't even a mistake. 10 mil. Even for your backup catchers, not the end of the yeah. world. It's not like four years forty. It was we were all like, "Whoa!" for James McCann. But remember, he was coming off some some pretty solid seasons with the White Sox, so it made a little bit of sense. But even if you push him to your secondary guy at ten mil as one of the top spending teams in the league, I don't think that that's crazy. If Tampa Bay is doing it, that's a bad spend of money because we know that they're going to be cheap across the board. If Big Stevie Cohen's doing it. I don't. I, what I'm saying is, I don't think McCann should preclude them from going to get either via trade right. Murphy or Jansen or via the market Contreras. So I agree with you there. That's a good call out. Yeah. All right. Uh-huh. I think that's going to wrap us up there. Uh, I'm talking about some steamer. Just they they weren't uniform there. They weren't all fades. They weren't all buys. It was just a mix. Go read Justin's articles. We did have a little bit of uh, overlap today. You and Nick Gout uh, wrote similar articles about uh, some steamer some steamer busts. But uh, steamer steamer is giving us plenty, plenty of uh, uh, fodder right now here in the mid November. I don't even want to say the doldrums because I'm not fully out of baseball. I think the doldrums hit in December, January, where I'm just like, oh my god, please give me something. But uh, right now, you know, we have award season. No major surprises yesterday. Would you have gone Harris or Strider, by the way, for the NL because they were pretty close. Hmm. That's a really tough one. I think I go Strider, but I went I, too. But he lost I, to, to Harris, which I don't think is egregious in any way, shape, or form. Um, I just I happen to favor Strider there. I think it maybe should have even been closer than it was. It mm-hmm. was close, but but a pretty pretty firmly for Harris. Still, I think it should have been like razor close because I don't know how you separate the two. Yeah, I. I don't either. Honestly. Maybe everyone was flipping the coin, and the coin kept landing on heads, so everyone kept putting Harris first. Uh, they probably looked at ADP and went, Harris is going higher than Strider. He's in the but, second round, right? Yeah. Harris? Ooh, I mean, they're both. Uh, second, had, third round, right? But Yeah, I had a going. shot at uh, Strider at the 3-4 turn in, in my 12-teamer, and I, I was like, I, I'm not doing that. Like, I just can't. Um, so. Quanzilla. You did. You do have Burns and Gallon, though, so that's pretty. Yeah. Cool. That, Wait, oh yeah, you'd have had to pay more for Strider than Gallon. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I I like Strider. I, I consider myself a Strider fan. I take Gallon later yeah. easily, mm-hmm. and that's more about Gallon than it is negative 
about Strider. But yeah. that's your 12 team that you're working on right now where you got Witt, Burns, Realmuto, Mullins, Gallon, Iglesias, Bautista, and then Jimenez. You're focusing on that outfield and those saves. I like it. You got uh, some rarity there with some positions. I, I see, I see I'm, where you're going. I'm coming right around on Eloy right now. Oh, um, dude, because the thing of it is, you know, actually, you say your piece. I don't want to take what you're going to say. Well, I, I wrote him up because he's one of the guys steamers higher on than ADP. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, oh, I kind of expect that because they're going to discount the injuries uh, a little bit pro or probably more than I would I would normally think them in the, that the market is. Yeah. But one, outfield is so bad. And two, like, I went through his injury history. He's been injured five times in the majors. Only one of them has been in, at like as a runner um, and none as a batter. He had the uh, one outfield one where he tried to like, he, make he that three, crazy catch. Three in the outfield. Three times in the outfield he's been hurt. And the fourth time was celebrating Lucas Giolito's no-hitter. He like pulled a calf muscle, like jumping up, celebrating. That happens way too often, by the way. That David Robertson missed a playoff mm -hmm. series because of that this year. Yeah. Um, not only that with what you're saying with Eli, which I totally agree with, but also the simple fact is he's literally never been bad. 2021, he was not good. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that a 100 WRC plus was good, but it wasn't bad either. He was league average. He was fine. And that was in a compromised 50, 50, 55 games last year. This year in his 84 games, 144 WRC plus. In the 55 games of 2020, which is a full season, uh, 138 WRC plus, 115 his rookie year. The dude can hit. So if you're just looking for skills and you're trying to you know, hopefully spike some health luck. That's the kind of guy you do it on. And I'm with you on Jimenez. I, I, I see him as a, as a worthy high pick and you do not have to pay what I would consider full price right now. You got yeah, a nice seventh round of this eighth round of this uh, 12 teamer. That's a nice price on Eloy Jimenez. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm totally like, you know, cause I said, I early, I think earlier this off season, like I'm just not touching Eloy. Um, and, and I've already drafted him in my, you know, now third draft of the year. So price will um, do that to you, right? You, you'll think you're out on a guy and then all of a sudden also just deep diving on a guy. Like yeah. for me, like, I think he, uh, you know, the fact that he's not going to be playing the outfield is going to be huge for him. Now, does that mean he still won't get hurt? I don't know. He's got, the, he's got the Giancarlo Stanton body style and that, mm -hmm. that scares me. But I love that fact that they told him just keep your glove at home. Like that, I think that's going to solve a lot of problems. Yeah, that is the right move. And sure, he's got the Stanton body type, but Stanton also has some brilliant seasons under his belt, especially while he was still young. Yes, and when Eloy hits, you know, thirty-seven homers like Stanton did in twenty fourteen, or fifty-nine homers like he did in twenty seventeen, I want to be on board because I believe in Eloy as a hitter. So that's a good call out there. And you mentioned a great point about off-season ranks. You know, a lot of times we will have ranks come out, a bunch of movement happens, no games happen. People say, well. How'd you move anything? Nothing's happened. It's like, hey, man, when I rank 100 players at a position, I didn't get to deep dive every single one. I, I kind of started placing them based on last season, uh, you know, just some different things with like ADP and, and where they're going and everything. As we deep dive, everyone, guys move up and down. That's just part of ranking. And so I, I like that you brought that up because that happens with guys, mm -hmm. somebody like Eli, who you even outwardly said, I'm kind of off. You studied Josh and Rojas. said, I'm back. Yeah, yeah. Rojas, yeah. you were openly in on. Now you're fading as you deep dive him. So there is a lot of changes like that, and that's just the way the rankings go because you can't possibly deep dive everyone when you first put out a set of rankings. Mm -hmm. or, else, or if that were the case, then my first set can't come out till like January.
January, which nobody, yeah. you know, that's people want to see like where things are. So and this is why some people's there. ranks don't come out till February. Like, right. And like, I respect people like that. Yeah. that you know, uh, Scott Jenstead, Rob Silver religiously talk about how they shut it down for a couple months and I do not blame them. I have a sickness and I want to be in on it 24 hours. It's, it's also yeah. our jobs, right? Like yeah. they, you know, they, they have different different gigs uh to where they don't have to worry about it as much. So that is also helpful there. But Justin, we'll be back on Friday talking more uh more more baseball. I'm not exactly sure what the topic will be, but maybe it'll be more steamer stuff. If you guys have any off-season topics you want discussed, don't be afraid to hit us up. We're always open to suggestions. But until then, I hope your kid feels better and I'll talk to you on Friday. Take it easy.